Welcome to Kid Tech, the podcast series about the people within, behind, and around kids' digital media ecosystem. Today, uh, I'm with Stuart Dredge, um, a man who I've been wanting to sit down and chat with since we started this podcast. Stuart is a freelance journalist who most of the time writes about music, fair to say. Um, but also has written extensively about kids and technology over the years for a variety of publications, uh, including Observer and The Guardian and various other places. He's also, I've just discovered, which I should have known but didn't, on the board of the Children's Media Conference. Ooh. Welcome. Hello. Finally, hey. we get to do this. I know. It only took a few months. I know, yeah. Um, so you, I mean, I know officially, officially you're, you're, you're a music journalist. Yeah, officially I'm a freelance, So, right. but most of my day is spent writing about music industry for a thing called Music Ally. Right. And then around that I do um, stuff on children and tech and families for parents. And I write for the Week Junior magazine right. as well, which, so I'm writing for kids partly about, about tech, which is kind of like the blind man writing for the people, <laughs> people who know all about this stuff. I, I, I want to come on to that a little bit later, but I mean, you are... Um, the I think the first journalist that I realized was properly writing about the kids industry and kids content and kids and technology. And I think when, when we started Super Awesome back in 2013, I think you were you were probably the first person we were talking to. Mm. Um, and um, it, it's now 2019. Mm. Do you I, like when you think about, I suppose, the state of the kids, uh, the kids ecosystem, the kids industry, whatever you want to refer to it as. Do you, are you surprised by what you're seeing in 2019 versus what you started covering, sort of five or six years ago? Yeah, I mean, it's very different, I suppose. So when I when I started, it was actually I look back at it today. It was 2010. Really? Um, we set up, I set up this website called Apps Playground, and it was all about kids apps. And it was the year the iPad came out. Um, and the year after the app store launched, right, yeah. and I had um, I had my first child in 2007, so I had a four-year-old and two-year-old, and I had an iPad. So I was just sort of seeing him, that whole thing everyone did of, you know, I'm not going to give an iPad to a kid, yeah. and then the kid uses your iPad and kind of starts engaging with it. So yeah, so back then it was like this, it was like this kind of indie scene, I mean in apps, I mean obviously there was, television is huge and all these things, but... It was all these little studios and little independent startups doing apps for kids, and they're all nice people. And they're all the book publishers going, we're going to do cool stuff with storytelling. Mm. And apps were going to be a thing that parents bought for kids right up to the age of 12, 13. And it would be a paid market and a wonderful thing, and everything would be nice and lovely. Yeah. And then you sort of looked in now, and like all those independent companies basically have disappeared. Mm. The book publishers all realized that doing books was more worth their while. And we kind of ended up, and, and also the kids apps market is what, five-year-olds? Mm. After five, they're, they're deciding what apps they want. Right. And you have no say. And it's all free. And you have these kind of pillars now, which I was thinking about the other day. Like, like you have this, like, Fortnite, mm. and you have Netflix, and you have um, YouTube, and you had Minecraft, and you kind of still have Minecraft. Mm. And maybe something like Spotify, perhaps, but I'd say maybe YouTube is for music. But you've got all these pillars of, like, children's entertainment that aren't actually children's things. They're kind of... So is that, I mean, does that represent a failure broadly or, or was, was this a function of technology companies just kind of ignoring kids? Or because particularly when you, when you talk about sort of the, the, I suppose the cottage industry of kids app developers and then no longer being there. Hmm. I mean, 
Is that because the various app stores didn't support them? How do you... I don't know. I think part of it is, I think... Or was it just hard? I think it was hard. And I think parents proved much less interested in buying apps for mm. their kids than maybe everyone expected. Like, there were these beautiful book apps, like Nosy Crow, that yeah, around, yeah. who eventually pulled out of apps because they just weren't making the money from it, made these beautiful things. that They were like the equivalent of a beautiful book. Yeah. But whereas parents would go and buy a beautiful book, they wouldn't not enough of them would pay for an app. So it was partly, I just think, just the, the, the demand wasn't there that people were hoping for. And I think it's not like a TV thing, is it, where you sit there and consume what you're fed. Mm. It's, it's an interactive medium, and I guess that just logically really extended to the kids wanting to choose what they did. And what right. they chose, I guess, was YouTube, Minecraft... All, all the more adult things. Yeah, or even not even adult things, but like stuff that was just around that was beautiful and playful and, and fun and creative. And they just kind of adopted, well, maybe not YouTube all the time. Yeah. But yeah, Minecraft's yeah. a good example. Like, and you suddenly realize that kids, and the other thing, I think a lot of kids just spent all their time doing the two or three things they were interested in. Yeah. And there wasn't much space around it for those little indie projects. Like, oh, you know. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, I don't know. I think, but also, yeah, the technology platforms weren't really, like YouTube wasn't thinking we're going to make a kid's platform when right. they set up. Yeah, yeah. Nor did Netflix. Even Minecraft was like that bloke Notch. Yeah, right. Who was making a game that he wanted to play and his yeah. mates wanted to play. So I think that there was that thing of, of the kids kind of, oh, you've talked about this much better than I can. The kids went to the things that were interested in them and that that was the stuff that was made for adults. It wasn't made with kids in mind. Does, does, does that mean sort of we, or the, the sort of the app stores and tablets have sort of accidentally democratized content and play for kids? Is that, I mean, that sounds like a very lofty headline. But. <laughs> They've blurred the boundaries thing. Like, I'm not sure there is what is a kid's thing now. Like, is right. Candy Crush Saga a kid's game? You'd say no, I think. Most people say no, what naturally. But I think there was this, oh, one of those research companies that do presentations. Mm. It might have been Dubbit. Right. Did a thing of, like, what are the biggest kids' brands? And Candy Crush was the massive logo. Yeah. Sort of thing. Right. And then, like, this whole room full of children's entertainment industry people went, what? <laughs> and were genuinely shocked because I just didn't, had no idea that it was a kid's brand. Because it isn't, but actually it is. The kids decided it was because they all played it. Right. So, so yeah, I guess it has these app stores. I mean, if you're a kid, you can go onto an app store. You can download a free app of any kind you want. So, of course, you go for the gaming section and you go to right. free games, I suppose. And, and I suppose, I mean, you, you mentioned sort of that when, when you launched uh, Apps Playground in 2010, that, that you had sort of become a father for the second time. Mm. And what age are your boys now? They're now 10 and 12. Right. So they're playing and doing everything. Yes. Oh, is that, I mean, fair And they've got literally no interest in, in me recommending any kind of content. Right. Sometimes I can say, have you seen this? Yeah, right, right, right. <laughs> but I can't decide. I certainly can't even suggest without them going, hmm. Yeah, right. And so, I mean, if, on this, on, if you think of sort of the two ends of the spectrum being delighted and horrified, yeah. like wh- wh- what are the things that you would put in mm. each of those categories that you've seen them doing or playing or interacting with? I think frequently it's the same thing doing both. So, <laughs> for example, YouTube's a good example. Like, um, they've come across some really good stuff on there, mm. some really fun stuff, and even like stuff that's not really right. So, like this holiday, we've been watching this thing. It's it's uh, Peppa Pig parodies, right? Very Whitey P, or something it's called. And basically, it's like when Mummy Pig burns Daddy Pig, which is much more common than you think. <laughs> like suddenly Snoop Dogg will pop up and a dancing frog and klaxons and a crowd, and it's it's this thing of someone's mashed it up with adult memes. Right. And it's genuinely inventive and creative and fun. And my kids introduced that to me and were like, this is really good. But then at the same time, one of my sons ended up on Slenderman videos, mm. down the algorithmic thing of like this, then this, and this. He started on something like Strangest Animals. 
and end love and Slenderman. And so it's a kind of both like, so when people like, I often see parents going, YouTube is terrible and terrifying. And I sort of think there are definitely things there are. And there are also things that are cool and great and creative, mm. but they're, they're the things that are harder to be directed to. Right, right. And, and right. maybe a hard to find. So yeah, so there's that. I mean, even things like Fortnite, I can appreciate the really good things about Fortnite. Mm. So the, it's become the kids' social network, really, yeah. hasn't it? They hang out there. <clears throat> they don't even necessarily play. They'll build and chat. Um, and it teaches teamwork, and it teaches all kinds of skills, and all this stuff that people in the games and you say defensively when you attack it, yeah, don't they? Yeah. They go, this, this, that, which is all true. But at the same time, it, it pulls on quite a few levers that with one of my kids, it's really bad for him. He's, he's, he struggles to deal with losing. He struggles to deal with stopping playing games. Right, right. And this particular game pulls on lots of levers that I can see are going to lead to right. huge tantrums and, 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 and awfulness. Right. But it's not the only thing about the game that makes sense. So kind of, all at least I'm very nuanced. It's very hard because I think as a journalist, even you're you're supposed to fall into this is terrible, right? Or this and, is brilliant school. And I mean, from I suppose your direct observation of them, mm. I mean, you know, you've you've sort of been been either directly covering or very aware of sort of kids' apps and services and things that that, that are being played mm. over the last decade or so. Has what they're doing changed your view in particular on anything? Sometimes, like I think, particularly with YouTube, I've seen them go down the bad rabbit holes, or I've seen them repeat something that I think is not good, or I've heard them listening to some of the gaming mm. people who are, I'd say, just deeply unpleasant, horrible little shits. <laughs> uh, who are making, who, like, like, and that's the problem. Like, there are these people playing games who are creative and wonderful and interesting, mm. and entertainers who have to be playing games, and that's, that's a really interesting thing. There are children's right. TV stars who are gamers. And there are others who are just awful. And they're the ones who shout the most and they sometimes get the most publicity. So, so yeah, so some of that is kind of, when I've realized a loss of control I have really, like I can't, it's hard to steer them away from the bad stuff. When it's very easy to take your eye away and back and they're looking at something that you're unhappy with. Yeah. And I think that's the one surprise that I always, and I think everyone has this in tech. You think, because I'm in tech, yeah. I will be the parent who spots all the things coming yeah. and doesn't let the bad things happen. <laughs> And in a way, I think maybe you're maybe you're you're almost as vulnerable because you think you know. Right, right. right. Um, does, does it make you? Has it made you more sympathetic to YouTube's challenges? I think so. Yeah, and I get it. I think there's this huge, huge law of unintended consequences going on all oh, around this. Yeah. Like, talk to anyone. Like, it's the same with everything. Like, YouTube's YouTube, Google, Facebook. There's this kind of thing, isn't it? The trend now of like the mayor culpas of I help design the like button or I help design the YouTube algorithm and now I think it's terrible. And that that's kind of become the thing you have to say if you did it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And, and the truth is that none of them knew at the time. None of right. knew it would become, none of them knew the big picture that it would be a kid's platform. Yeah. yeah. And also just the whole, the whole fascinating thing and the terrifying thing about the, the whole idea of algorithmic recommendations is no one understands the algorithm. Yeah. I mean, there was, a, there was a thing, I think this is long ago, I can say it now. When the Guardian changed from Guardian.co.uk to theguardian.com, yeah. I think there was there was talk of there been a meeting with Google saying what will this mean for our SEO, <laughs> and my, my what I gathered was Google said we'd be interested to find out too, <laughs> because these companies often don't understand how their algorithms work when they're like they're like a, an out of control mm. thing. Um, where did I start with that? There was a this is like a YouTube rabbit hole I've gone off. <laughs> um, so yeah, but I, so I think those companies I don't think they're. I don't think they're all evil people in a room going, how can we make money by sort of doing bad things mm. for kids? Right, right, right. Uh, and I think they are all going, my God, 
especially with children, especially in the US, yeah. and you know about copper and that stuff much more than I do, but especially in the US, you can really properly get hauled over the coals yeah. for kids' privacy, for all that stuff. I think it's more and more of that you are going to see in Europe and in the UK, yeah. you know, who, who've actually probably passed the most forward-thinking laws or are passing the most mm. forward-thinking laws around this uh, when Parliament gets resumed Presumably. <laughs> when is it yeah. um, That's the problem with podcasts, though. We're recording this now. God I, knows what's happening yeah, next. For, for anyone listening now, um, <laughs> today or in the last 24 hours, the UK has suspended Parliament. Yeah. Um, so it'll be very interesting to see what happens uh, when this podcast is actually aired, whether it's still current or not. There could have been a revolution as President Corbyn. Yeah, <laughs> good Lord. But I think, see, so I, think, I think a lot of this thing is, is these companies are now trying to, trying to roll back some of the things that happened mm. that were unintended. How, how, how do you think? I mean, how do you think this plays out for YouTube? So, I mean, there's there's rampant speculation um, to the point of, of sort of near fact that there's going to be an announcement in September mm. by the FTC about a settlement around COPPA. Mm. But I mean, uh, from what you know, or, 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 or I mean, informed speculation, how do you think long term? I mean, two three years from now, what what mm. does YouTube look like in terms of kids and kids content? Mm. I think it seems like they're going to put much more welly into. Humans, mm. <laughs> human curation, human moderation, like all of them, like everyone, like, you know, you, you need, you maybe need humans to kind of pick their way through. And I think in YouTube's case, it's really interesting if they start picking the good stuff. So not just kind of how do we moderate out the bad things, but you know, yeah. where is the good stuff on YouTube, and how can we get that in front of people? And it's hard again because, like, at the moment, if you're a kid who watches non-stop Alie Fortnite videos, what is the time the algorithm will say? You know what? Here's an amazing science video. I'm going to put that in the middle. Mm-hmm. Like in a way, at the moment there isn't that. So how do you move towards that area? And again, it's like moving back towards the BBC. Right. <laughs> We're right. going to know what's best but, for you. But but do you, but I mean, do kids? Do you feel kids, or do you feel your kids care about how the curation happens? I mean, they they're presumably they they don't distinguish between a suggested video that comes from an algorithm versus one that is picked. No, I mean it's. And they just kind of turn on now. Yeah. And actually, they're using YouTube on the TV, which is one of the things we did as a family, was mm. we're going to try and shift YouTube viewing to the TV ah. so that we're there, we can hear it and see it. Has that worked? Um, well, we, we, I'm a lot more aware. I mean, I've watched, I've heard so many hours of horrible right. of Fortnite gamers. So, but yeah, but I'm much more aware about what they're watching. Yeah. Uh, and there's this thing where basically I'll be in, the, we have this open plan room. Right. room. So I'll be in the kitchen and I'll just, every so often I'm like, is this appropriate? <laughs> a child will go, uh, no. <laughs> and flick over. But yeah, um, so what's I saying? Um, well, we were, well, we were talking about the future of YouTube. Ends. What does YouTube look yeah. like in three years? So I mean, I think, so maybe more of that. I think they're, they're possibly going to put more money into content again. Like they have these cycles, don't they, where they put loads of money into kids' content and then they stop putting money into it. And, um, I think it probably still is YouTube. I can't see anything coming along to kill it just yet. Um, like I've had, I mean, you must have had this too as a business. I've had all these pitches from like, we're YouTube for kids, but we're safe and curated and managed and parents can trust us. And I think, I don't know how you make a child watch that. Sure to. You, you, I mean, you can. I mean, it'll it'll work, and it is working to some degree for for a preschool audience. Yeah. Like an under five, where where viewing is dictated by by more, at least more by parents. Yeah. But beyond that, I mean, it's it's you know, kids will go to where their content is. Yeah. Whatever they deem to be their content. I think it always yeah. amazes me how the stuff on YouTube continues to be different from what's on TV. Like when when TV starts going, oh, we should get a bit more vloggy. Mm. On YouTube, it's already onto slime videos. Yeah, yeah <laughs> like yeah, yeah. it's always the stuff on there that would never be commissioned on TV. So there is no competition from that. 
Um, so yeah, I don't know, but I think that's interesting. And what about well, on, on the sort of a similar kind of adjacent point, what about music and, and kids mm. specifically? So were you like, you know, two three years ago there was an awful lot of discussion um, at conferences about sort of kids getting all of their music from YouTube. Mm. And it seems kind of more and more clear that Spotify are really trying to think about how to engage with that younger audience. Yeah, and well, the, what, family, like, the family plan stuff coming in. Right, like, yeah. So, so parents can't say. So in, in a question that perfectly bridges your yeah. various areas of interest, what, what, do you, what do you think about music and kids? I should be brilliant on this, you know. Yeah. <laughs> um, so it's interesting. So with, with, I think you're right. YouTube is where a lot of music. The interesting now is seeing some of the crossovers. So, for example, seeing Marshmello play a concert in Fortnite, mm. and he's now someone with cultural merit to my kids because he played a concert in Fortnite. Right. So he must be interesting. And it was funny. I, I ended up watching the Glastonbury set of the Chemical Brothers on TV with my ten-year-old, huh. and he had a reference point for it because he'd seen the Marshmello thing in Fortnite. So he understood what a dance light show. Yeah, yeah, and he was like, he was more interested, I think, than when I'd be people think you should see the Chemical Brothers. So there's that. There's like kids discovering music through the culture they are already having. And Fortnite's because like Major Lazer have just launched yeah, yeah, skins so, in yeah. Fortnite. You know. yeah. um, I don't know. I mean, it's a fascinating thing, I think, because if you're a kid now and if you have a Spotify account or YouTube account, you suddenly have access to everything at once. Mm. Like there's no sense of all the world's music being ranked or being staged. Right. Or the Beatles are more important than than Nicki Minaj. Right. Like, it's all just there. Yeah. And so they can find their way into it anyway. And so I'm really interested in what the kind of, what the, what the filters are going to be. Yeah. Like how do they find that? So for my kids, I had a blissful two years when we would play music in the car and that was what they listened to. So they loved Supergrass. <laughs> they loved Madness. They loved Blur. Because right. that's what we had being parents of a certain age in a car. Um, whereas now, they're just not interested. They want Radio 1 on the car. Because yeah. we don't have the kind of car yet. We've got terrible cars there. We don't have like Spotify right. easily available. Yeah, yeah. So they want Radio 1. So at the moment, radio is kind of, it's still yeah. kind of got a power. Yeah. But it's also, they'll find things on YouTube. And do, do you think, I mean, are you noticing, because it's funny, you, you see there's been uh, a real resurgence. I mean, you see it more so in the rap world, I think, of, of rap videos. Mm. And which is sort of an unexpected thing to be saying in 2019, right? <laughs> but do you, but do you do you see kids engaging with music through video? As in actual yeah, video as yeah. opposed to just listening on, on Yeah, your... even if it's more like to be someone on TikTok mm. than it is the original video. Mm. Or, I mean, Snoop Dogg is a fascinating character. He's, I'd say a lot of children have a lot of awareness of Snoop Dogg because he appears in so many memes that they see. <laughs> He does it like he's in, so his, he's in his Peppa Pig videos. Yeah. He's in various gifts. Like my kids, they 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 think Snoop Dogg is a cool celebrity. Really, and that it isn't terrible because like Snoop Dogg is a really like he's a he's a he's a notable figure. Yeah, he's like yeah. like he's made amazing made terrible stuff as well. He made good stuff. Yeah, yeah. But I thought my kids seeking him out because they knew him from a meme. Yeah. <laughs> Again, I've lost control because like I I would rather I mean they know all the words that Snoop Dogg uses. Right. I'd rather they had a bit more life experience to deal with the concept sure, sure. <laughs> so but it's, it's although it's so funny to see someone like snoop generation jumping like that yeah and it's because he's i think it's probably who he is he's he's done a lot of things he appeared in a lot of things yeah. he's into gaming yeah. into sports so this oh, is where it is i lose my track again don't worry it was it was, but, I, was um, I was taking you down all sorts of sort of yeah oh, it is. yeah so so again like I mean, I'm writing about TikTok a lot from the music industry perspective. Right. And there, there's always the thing about, we should get money for licensing. Right. 
but that thought of TikTok is often kids' first experience of a song, mm. or Fortnite is in the case of like. I think that's really interesting. These mm. these these new things that are very different. So TikTok is about use generated video. Yeah. Fortnite is gaming. Yeah. But that being your path into something being meaningful to musically, I think that's fascinating. Yeah. I mean, everyone's trying to get to in music community, everyone's trying to get to grips with it, understand like what will the next generation, how will they? Mm. What will be a star for them? And again, someone like Drake, his cultural relevance to me and you will be because of what he's done, music sure. he's made. To my sons, he played he played Fortnite with Ninja. Yeah, right. He's right, cool. Right. Yeah, he yeah, must yeah, be cool because yeah. he played Fortnite with Ninja, who's the biggest star, right? Yeah, yeah. So again, it's like there's that really interesting. I suppose what what a lot of traditional music sees as proper media right. and the new weird media is reversed what, for the kids. And what what do you think is sort of the new new weird weird media? Right. I mean, I guess the answer is probably sort of TikTok or some derivation. But yeah, I think TikTok. And whatever comes next for that, I think the, the idea of Fortnite as a hangout is, feels feels that mm. parents are still getting to grips with that. They think it's a game, but it's not. It's a, an environment. Yeah. And there's much more. And they see now that they're doing these regular branding things now. Like it was, it was Major Lazer, and that went straight into um, uh, Borderlands Three. They've got a skin from that. Right. Especially. Yeah. So. It's, it's that idea, I think. And yeah, whatever's next. Like I went to this, one of these things I do at schools where someone comes in and talks to parents about the dangers of the internet. And I went along, kind of ready, you know, crossing my arms, going, yeah, come on then. And it was really, really good. And she was talking <laughs> about all these apps that kids are using. And like, I hadn't heard of half of them. Really? And there's one that was like secret calculator. <clears throat> you might know about this one. And everyone was there going, that's not true, is it? And we went out and we talked to a friend's son. I was like, oh, we know about secret calculator app. And he went, why, it's a sheet. And went, how do you know about that? <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. So I think that there's always something I have, we have no idea of coming next. But yeah, I, Do, doing one final sort of bridge mm. across your your sort of writing career and verticals. Mm. News. So you 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 write also for kids in the week junior. Yes. <clears throat> How do kids think about news? Mm. Like because we're talking about games and music, and, and there are all, there are all those cultural pillars mm. that you can sort of point at. But where where do kids get news from and how do they even think about it? It's one of the most terrifying things a journalist think about, I think. Mm. So one thing I've seen is there was this big survey, uh, I think it was from like Pew Research Centre, someone about where do kids get news? And then the answer was kids, it comes to kids through their social feeds. <laughs> like it comes to them. Um, Soviet Russia. Yeah, exactly. Um, I mean, the week junior is interesting, so not to plug it or anything, but no. it's, it's got like a it's 70,000 circulation for a print mag. Hmm. Um, and it's basically and this just the UK. Yeah, right. And it's parents who subscribe to it for their kids. Huh. And I think the pattern in my in my household, this pattern is is what my son reads cover to cover at bedtime because he's not allowed to screen then. It's his time for reading, and he loves it. And he reads cover to cover, and he talk, we talk about some of the things in it, and he reads to us, and it's like a really hmm. he's he's really interested in the world, and mm-hmm. that's the really the whole I mean the whole selling point of that is, is kids who are interested in the world, and they are. Yeah. So there are things like that. There's Newsround, which is still good. There's there's other magazines. There's there's stuff yeah. that's trying to deliver news to kids. Doing really good. I mean, I always when I read the week, you know, my bits the tech bit. Yeah. The other bits of explaining terrorist attacks or explaining Trump. Like I really am in awe of it. Yeah. So there were those things, and that's very much a parents buy this. It's in the house. The right. kids will the kids will read it if it's there. Right. But I don't know. Other than that, I mean, again on YouTube. 
where does the algorithm insert some news in between your Fortnite videos? Yeah. Like that's not what it's there to yeah, do. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, on TikTok, where, why, how, and it's news. Like, you know, maybe there's a news company going, we're going to do news bulletins on TikTok delivered through a 10-year-old influencer mining. Maybe that is the next thing. <laughs> it does sound entirely plausible at this point. Um, so, yeah, but it's weird because there's all these things, and I can sound quite downbeat about kids. It's hard for them to get news and the mm. things they're doing. The, the, the kind of the digital channels they're using aren't receptive of news. And yet, you've got Greta Thunberg, who's just turned up in New York, who's been giving speeches about climate change. You've got this whole climate activist network in the UK. So mm. I saw a talk at the last CMC conference from a climate activist, and she was 13. And she was basically calling out the whole room, going, keep up, like, come on, like, get behind this stuff. We're out there on the streets striking. Mm. And children's media is kind of going, well, you know, we don't want to be too... Yeah. So at the same time as we all worry that our kids aren't getting the news, don't care about news, just care about gaming, there's this whole generation of, of young activists who are saying to adults, shape up about climate change. So there's definitely something more interesting happening than just kids aren't getting the news. That's fascinating. And, and, and do you think, I mean, is that being, that's being triggered or driven presumably by access to all of the information? Hmm. Um, is it, I mean... Is that a generational thing? Is that a technology thing? Um, that's, yeah, that's I don't know. Interesting. It's, it's interesting because I, I don't like generalizing about kids or adults. Like, I sure, feel like yeah. a, a lot of adults I know, because I'm from like the stereotypical lefty, liberal, greeny type person. Um, I'm feeling quite sort of overwhelmed sometimes and quite stressed about everything that's going on, about Trump, about mm. Brexit, about climate change, all this stuff. It's kind of coming out, so we don't know what to do. And we've, a lot of people are having, uh, my, not myself, but people are having mental health issues mm. around just anxiety, right. all these things. And kids, there is a, there is a, I've seen a thing this week about eco-anxiety amongst kids and them getting overwhelmed. At the same time, kids are getting out on the streets. So there is something there. Like there's something, I don't know, maybe it's just a fearlessness of, of, of being young mm. where you will go out if you have something you believe about passionately if you like if you love something on youtube you'll watch it over and over again yeah but if yeah. you believe in a cause you're exactly as, as committed with and, and, and i think oh god i'm gonna sound like an awful the worst person like maybe that's what we can learn from from mm. kids mm. is actually throwing yourself full weight into these big issues interesting but yeah that's where they get that news from or why that's happened it's it's weird because it's come against this backdrop of us going oh kids aren't going to be able to get I'm going to be just watching YouTube and playing and, games. Yeah, and it also comes, I suppose, against a backdrop of, you know, news being increasingly sort of mistrusted mm. because of its of, of quite how factual it is. And it's it's a really hard one as well because I think, I mean, we, I have the thing as a parent in the car when if, if we were listening to radio and it's a news story, you know, there was a rape or a murder somewhere, we turn it down three seconds too late right, right. in the hope that our kids don't have to listen to the murder story on the news. <laughs> and our kids do listen and, and they do get the news. But so we can't, we can't protect them from mm. the bad stuff. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm always just surprised that, that someone hasn't started focusing in a larger way or the Google or Facebook haven't started focusing in a larger way about news for kids because they're always very mm. sort of focused on news for everybody else. Yeah. Um, I don't know, it's, 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 it's an interesting area. And you, haven't um, got, you haven't got any, I mean, and I think they, are, they do exist. Like, like there are vloggers who talk about the news. There, right. are, climate, yeah. there are climate change YouTubers, climate activist YouTubers, rather. Like, 
so that maybe is the thing that these companies could do is that there are voices and actually I, it's not going to be like um, a me not me it's not going to be like a climate change expert saying hey kids I'm going to explain what's going on yeah. it's going to be a teenager like yeah. the whole thing them, yeah. it's, it's such an obvious thing to say that kids are more interested in what a, a child slightly older than them thinks yeah. Yeah. So maybe that's what you, those guys can do. Like instead of it being, we'll find a way to tell you the news that's good right. for you. Right. It will be, we'll find the voices already doing this who are young and 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 kind of just push them forward. Put them in front. And YouTube's got a history of that of picking out people. I think picking out people to back. Mm. Like it has its, oh, what's it called? I covered it once. They had this program for like emerging vloggers where they get them in and give them some yeah. training. And yeah, yeah. So I wouldn't be surprised if that's maybe where they put some effort. They'll, they'll find the kind of the, the voices around news and young people without it being like a kind of a, an adult media organization saying we'll do news for kids. Mm. Um, we're going to finish up with uh, a couple of rapid fire questions. Mm. Um, Hasbro have just announced they're buying Entertainment One and Peppa Pig, mm-hmm. presumably not Snoop Dogg. <laughs> they, do, uh, they own Death Row, don't they? Now? They do own Death Row Records, um, which I, I really would like to speak to Brian Golden about acquiring myself. Um, <laughs> what, what, what do you think about that deal? I mean, instant hot take. It's it's interesting. I mean, it, it's it's in one level, it's like Superbrand buying another Superbrand. Mm. So, you know, Hasbro buying Peppa Pig. Peppa Pig Monopoly comes a step closer yeah. <laughs> if it doesn't exist <laughs> with Miss Rabbit doing all the kind of... Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, so I've covered it more with the music side where mm. they've been doing, so you won't have been doing Peppa Pig, the album. Mm. They've done the Baby Shark tour. They've done a lot of things about around music and live events mm. and kids and families. So that would be interesting to see how that continues. Um, but I don't know. I mean, you could just tell me about this. Like, what's your... I'm allowed to do this. Well, I, well, I, I mean, I think, um, you know, Hasbro are very focused on being a sort of multi-platform entertainment company. Mm. You know, I think this gives them Chinese distribution. I think it gives them obviously great IP. It gives them, you know, a lot of the, the infrastructure that, that Entertainment One has got, mm. you know, in the media and entertainment world. And I think it's, it's a big enough deal that the market clearly believes it, mm. you know. And this might be your next question, um, but... That Disney Plus launch has made me think about this idea of what's the reason to aggregate lots of super brands in one place? Yeah. And actually, that's one of the things. If you have a bunch of brands, you have leverage, you have control. Yeah. Whether it's whether you're doing your own streaming service or you're just holding it, doing deals for other things, I think the more you have now, it really is an obvious well, advantage. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think you, you, you can't not look at all these big deals that are going on and not bring it back to sort of all of the same kind of dynamics that you saw in the 70s. Mm. with sort of the cable landscape right like yeah. it's, it's content and it's distribution mm. and it sort of doesn't really matter what the technology is mm. it still basically comes down to but those two forces i thought you were going to say content is king there no no i'm gonna leave that to you to say because my <laughs> final question yeah um the sure hot take and mm. um, disney plus versus netflix mm. who or what do you think will resonate most with kids long term mm. So I think it's really interesting because a lot of the stuff I've seen around families and entertainment has been parents buy something for their family Mm. and the kids use it. So you can buy a Spotify family plan to make sure your kids don't mess up your profile. You can buy a Netflix account and have your kids' accounts. Like You you buy something, but you're using it. Whereas Disney Plus, I almost feel like it's one of the more things where parents will subscribe to it for their kids. 
and I'm interested to see how that took because I'm not sure how many things have taken off that way so far and I say that and then I think about my brother-in-law who's 43 and he loves Star Wars and Marvel mm. so he'll probably subscribe to it for himself as much as his kids right but yeah I mean they've got like seeing what's coming out they've got, they've got big original shows they've got all those they've got those super brands and I've seen a few things and again this is journalists doing hot takes you know someone has to win like Disney Plus and Netflix can't just survive and get bigger together. Like one of them has to beat the other. <laughs> and also all the things are saying, oh, maybe it could be, you know, it'd be bad news for Netflix um, because they have all these brands and you can, you can not only have them on your service, you can take them off the other ones. Mm. And from someone who writes about music coming in, it's interesting because obviously we're using Spotify, the whole exclusive thing has gone out the window in music. Mm, yeah. It's generally a bad right. thing. You have to have all the catalog. Maybe Taylor Swift will do something exclusive with Apple in the video sense and a playlist with Spotify, but the music is on both. Whereas in TV now, you're going, oh, Netflix is just losing all the Marvel stuff. Mm. Oh, and then they've cancelled the Marvel shows and they're losing that. And you have this sense of like, well, how many subscriptions are you going to buy? Mm. Um, and Disney Plus is one of the few ones where you can like, actually, like, Disney brand is super strong. Mm. They have Marvel and Star Wars. And it crosses over to parents as well. So if you're a parent who loves the Star Wars, then you might say, well, I'll pay, is it seven ninety nine a month? Announced? Yeah, I think that's what they announced. Yeah. yeah. And very final question on that before we wrap up. Do you think, um, given that strategy by Disney, that they will start to move into music? I do a lot of music already, don't they? They have is it Hollywood Record, Disney Hollywood. They, they... But, but I mean, as, as more of a streaming service. Oh, I see. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what was, that last, what was the last one they had? They had a, a streaming service that had music as well as video a while ago, I think. Um, I mean, they have this, they have these archives. These archi- I mean, they've just done actually, interestingly, they've done a, a, a Disney hub on Spotify about. Oh. A well, M- month or two ago. Soundtracks and... Uh, yeah, the soundtracks um, of the films. They have, like, individual film playlists, right. soundtrack stuff, classic things. So they're obviously partnering for now and mm. curate- they're, being, they're becoming a curation layer on those streaming services, mm. which if you're Spotify selling a family subscription, you can say, look, we have the Disney hub. Right. So, um, so yeah, I think so. Yeah, I, think. I did have... Could I ask... Could I give a better answer as well to a question you asked earlier? Yeah, sure, of course, yeah. So you asked what the next thing was. Yeah. One thing I'm really fascinated by is recently an acquisition by um, ByteDance, so yeah. TikTok's parent company. They bought Duke Deck, um, an AI music company. Yes. Um, so AI creating music. Mm. I am you've really. Been, you've been playing around with that. I have. Yeah. There's another one, another startup I did. I released an album recently through a thing called Boomy, where you can go on, you get it to create music for you, you choose the ones you like, and then mm. you can release it on Spotify. So I am now an artist on Spotify. Congratulations. With no. You know, um, I'm really interested in what happens when kids start kids collaborating with AI to create music hmm. whether it's creating beats for themselves to rap over I don't think it's like creating whole songs hmm. they, they, they might create beats and then they rap over them and that will be their TikTok video or whatever right. so that, that idea of like and it's a horrible phrase what's the TikTok of music but what is the thing that's, that kids are going to be creating and sharing music probably in 15 second bites yeah like there's something really really fascinating there and seeing TikTok's phone company buy an AI music company made me think this is maybe it like hmm. kids because 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 adults I think go AI I'm a bit scared of it mm-hmm. AI, AI can't make music right I think kids won't have any such kind of yeah, yeah so I think that might be the next thing is is some way of kids creating music and sharing with each other and that's going to be so fascinating because you are going to have in the same way that Vine created stars from mm. seven second videos right. like why shouldn't the next wave of pop stars in five years time come from kids messing around with AIs on some kind of app so you think that um, although there's a lot of focus on sort of shorter and shorter form video um, the future for kids is going to be super short form AI created music 
I think I, 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 truth. I think it could be like I see my kids and I've got the I, I had a midlife crisis and bought loads of little synthesizers right. and my kids like messing around with those but it's difficult yeah and that, they've even tried garage band and again it's just difficult but yeah the, the first person to create something where you can create like really amazing hooks mm. and you can sing over them and shoot a video mm. and share it like maybe that's the next step on from what TikTok is now which is you use someone else's music for your video Anyway, that's my that's my kind of not prediction, but that's my kind of interest. We're, we're going to call it a prediction. Uh, well, Stuart Trench, and um, thank you so much for joining us on Kid Tech today. Um, if you like the show, uh, you can get it or subscribe in all the usual podcast places. If you'd like to leave us a review, that would be lovely too. See you next time. <laughs>